Welcome to the Brute Facts Podcast with your host and everybody's favorite Christian, Eddie Kroon. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell for future content. Welcome to Brute Facts. Got a fun show tonight. Got T-Jump all fired up, riled up, and ready to go in the back. It's already had, uh, we've had some fun conversation, and I think it's going to bleed on over into here. Um, make sure you stick around for the end of the show. I have a big announcement. Um, and one that's probably not as good, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so without wasting any more time, I'm going to bring on T-Jump's chair. And he brought T-Jump with him, so we'll, uh, we'll see what they both have to say. What's up, T-Jump? Hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to spoil the surprise. Uh, this, everyone, the surprise is that Eddie and Oz are engaged. Dang it, man. That's, that was, I was actually going to do it in a different kind of way, but yeah, that'll work. Uh, it's out, Oz. Everybody knows that you've converted and... We're we're gonna do this thing. I think Pasta's gonna be pissed though, uh, for sure. Pasta <laughs> does make some good intros though. We'll have to make an intro to your wedding, like because because I like I like the intro to your video with his sounds. His his voiceovers are great because he he has the great like radio voice. Absolutely. He needs to make me one. He was supposed to make me a video, but he backed out. Like, ooh, yeah. So I had to have had to have Ben Smith originals. He did all the editing for my latest one. Got like a million subs from it too. So Pasta. Pasta, pasta, pasta. And while you're while we're talking about pasta, I do want to give him a thanks for doing my intro. And he has his own channel now, uh, Normalizing Atheism. So uh, everybody go over and check that out. He's got some awesome uh, editing skills and pretty cool shows. So tell us a little bit about your song, song yourself, T-Jump. Uh, have you always been an atheist? Were you ever a theist? Or uh, Yeah, I was, I was born a... Klingon from the planet Klingon. Uh, I travel here about the year three thousand or so. The time machine thing. Yeah. No, I was I was Christian. I was brought up in a Christian home. My parents are still Christian. Went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. Uh, lost faith sometime in late high school. Had major depression my whole life. Prayed every day. Nothing changed. Stopped being able to believe in an all powerful being that cared about you. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of things that happen in life. It, you know, even as a theist myself, I'm like, what's going on here? You know, it's not working out like they said. Um, so what made you get into philosophy? Uh, one of the things I was trying to do to overcome my depression, I tried a whole bunch of different stuff. Philosophy was one of those things. So I guess started researching all the different uh, arguments, evidence for everything epistemology metaphysics ontology thinking hey if i know the facts of the universe maybe this will help uh didn't but that's how i got into it just a thing to learn stuff to hopefully improve my psychological psychological state yeah i well you know um my i don't know mine might have been looking for to improve my psychological state but i just you know when i went through the deconstruction from fundamentalism and all of that uh, you know, that, that's what started me. And I wanted to know, you know, what, is there a God, which God is it? Why do I believe Jesus and, you know, all these things? Um, so I can definitely relate with that. 
And going through depression myself, I, I went through a severe depression when I was young and it was terrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. I just, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy for sure. So uh, what, so how old were you when you really got serious about philosophy? Because I've been in, how, do you mind if I ask how old you are? 32. 32. Okay. I was going to say I'm 42 and I got into philosophy kind of seriously about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. And I think it was a few years at least before I'd heard uh, about T-Jump and I didn't hear much about it. Just, you know, debate stuff, you know, here and there and actually watched a couple of them. And, and to be honest, even though I knew who you were, I, I wasn't really into all that debate scene. The first one that I watched, I believe, was with you and Ben Arbor. And uh, I was extremely impressed. The uh, I mean, first one or the second one? Man, I don't know. Which, where, where was where was the first one at? Uh, online. Oh, no, 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 no. It was the one where y'all were in person together. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ben, man, he was a bright guy up and coming that was so tragic it's uh were you guys like friends or anything outside of it or uh i mean as much as anybody like yeah. in the community it's not like because he lived in fort worth i live minnesota so ah chat when we're there yeah up here in cold country so yeah he's uh yeah he's a great guy man lost to the community i don't care you know theist or non-theist or, or you lose somebody like that it, it sucks um I just really talked to him a few times. Uh, not, I wasn't on a personal level with him, just kind of in philosophy group that I'm in. And I, what I liked about him, sorry, I didn't mean to make this about him, but I saw him and Aaron Raw go at it one time. So that's when I was kind of like, ah, I think I like this guy because usually people get frustrated and walk away, and he just kept going and going. So, uh, what's your favorite part of philosophy? um the paycheck yes that's i don't know about all that I, every philosopher i hear is pretty broke so <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a youtube philosopher so i i make about as much as they do i just have to learn to work as much so you know I you I, I don't like i i tried to get into philosophy as a way to cure the depression but it was never something i was super passionate about so it's not a thing i really enjoy it's just a job for me for the most part yeah, that's uh, well, I think there might be some truth to that whole Cleon thing because uh, I think every time I turn around, you're online, I'm like, does this dude ever sleep? I mean, you must have some good drugs or something going on there. So, <laughs> time, time travel, I can, I can travel back in time like uh, Hermione from Harry Potter and be in two places at once. There you go. You, you go ahead, you sleep for like two days, and then you come back and work for three. So, it's a pretty good schedule. Um, so you're totally self-taught, right? Uh, sort of. I've audited classes at colleges, so. Okay. Not exactly. Yeah, but still, I mean, you, you don't have like master's or PhD or anything like that in philosophy, right? Yeah. Like, um, auditing classes means you take the same classes, but you don't get a degree and it costs. Oh, really? Money. Yeah. Oh, that is pretty sweet. I didn't know that. I might need to look into that. <laughs> So, okay, well, you do have a pretty good education there. I was going to say, for somebody that was self-taught, I mean, you know, not to uh, try to be flattery or anything, I, I think you're a pretty damn smart guy. So, Thanks. Uh, definitely a good debater. I mean, it's 
I don't know how you're so quick and all. I'm just like, slow down, bro. Quit talking. Just hold on. Let me absorb it. So, um, what did, what made you want to debate mm. being in philosophy? Or- um, I guess it was the testing of my ideas. So I, I thought I had better arguments than the theists, the big theist, William Lane Craig or whatever. And I was like, Hey, I could be good at this. This, this could get me a lot of attention and popularity and stuff. Let's start debating theists because it's easy. So I think that's when I started doing debates was at the same time as modern day debate. So we, we both started our channels at about the same time. Okay. And I did my first channel, my first debate on his channel when he had like, 600 subs or something and i had like 200 and that was essentially just the motivation was like hey i these people have really stupid arguments and i can defeat them very easily and it's funny so let's do that nice look i actually have a compliment in the chat i am stunned thank you christian i love christian he's such a nice guy i don't like debating nice people because i I don't like being mean, so. Uh, <laughs> you, you debated uh, Christian in some time? Yeah, the actually, first debate I ever had was against somebody who coaches debates, right? So it was supposed to be uh, another guy, and he had a series of events. So he had the first time he, he couldn't do it. The second time, uh, something crazy came up. I don't know. And at the last minute, Christian said, okay, I'll do it. And so I'm scrambling on YouTube to find anything I can find out because I didn't know Christian, didn't know anything about him. Uh, but he was an absolute gentleman, man. That was, I think it was more of just a conversation back and forth. So, yep. And, and he, his voice is actually a better radio voice than pastas, which is like hard to imagine. But yeah. Ooh. I think uh, pasta is probably going to be lighting MDMs up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh i didn't know you knew christian that's pretty cool it's um yeah, we've talked a few times okay neat man you know everybody i can't go anywhere without hearing about t-jump or at least the chair i got five thousand friends on facebook or something mm. i guess that does tend to bring a few people your way huh but uh, but that's another cool thing though is you know a lot of people see you in the heat of the moment you know kind of fired up sometimes in some of these debates because a lot of people like to you know, falafel, move around stuff, not answer questions. But every conversation I've had with you in private um, and even messaging you on Facebook, you were like quick to respond pretty much. You, Pretty nice guy, man. You can't let that out. You can't let people know how nice you are. Yeah, it gets less views. Like the, the nice stuff is doesn't, it's not, doesn't get as much attention. That's why my... No, most watched videos are like first, uh, Dar- what Darth Dawkins scream fest. Oh. Second, Mister Batman scream fest. Third, uh, inspiring philosophy. Uh, and then Jay Dyer. Those are like the top videos. That's the one. If I was going to talk about any of them, that's the one because I didn't know who Jay Dyer was, right? And I was actually, you know, on YouTube it gives you your recommendations and stuff, and I saw T Jump because I've watched a lot of your stuff. Um, I saw T jump, uh, Jay Dyer dumpster fire. And I was like, Oh, I got to see this. So, uh, that guy, Oh my God. I mean, even as a theist, Oh my God. First of all, he's using the tag argument who that's not a pre supper uses the tag argument. Oh, he's a pre supper, but it's not just the tag argument. He made up his own tag argument, which 
isn't even an argument and calls it a tag argument. Um, funny story, though, if you look at a picture of Jay Dyer and John Maddox next to each other before Maddox got his beard, they look like brothers, like twin brothers, exactly. <laughs> the way they talk, the arguments they make, they're very, very identical. Like I, Before I, I debated Jay, I confused the two. I was like, these are the same guy, right? Like, can't tell the difference. And so I actually sent John Maddox a, a message on like Twitter or something like, do you know this guy? Because you guys look like really alike. And as soon as as soon as he got that message, that's when he started growing his beard out, so he could be different from Jay Dyer. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm gonna tell you what I was—I'd heard the name before, but I didn't know anything about him. And I was like, in, you know, introduced to Jay Dyer from that. And I'm just like, bro, shut up, bro, shut up. Let him finish. Let him finish. Who's the moderator? Because that was some of the. Hmm. I don't mute people on here. No, you want a dumpster fire. That's yeah. The killstream guy. He's uh, more like far right um, extreme conspiracy theorist guy who got banned oh. on pretty much everywhere. So he's not known for his politeness. Yeah, that's uh, I, I just so I went to his channel, kind of you know, a little intrigued by who he was, and found out he was more orthodox, but yet used pre-sub stuff. And then one of the first videos I saw was, okay, once again, I'm going to debunk Aquinas' five ways for the... I'm like, what? I mean, come on, you can give arguments against it, but to be so arrogant as to say, I'm going to sit here and debunk it again, and then call Thomist a bunch of idiots. I'm like, bro, I'm not even a Thomist. And And then I saw his Hollywood stuff, and I'm like, "Ah, just this guy's like out there. I don't... I'm glad you handled him the way you did. I wished... The guy would have muted him, so you could really let his ass have it. But uh. <laughs> he's done a few debates with uh, Matt Dillahunty and Alex Malpass, and he wasn't that bad because at least the moderator they had good moderators in that one. Yeah, how could you be? Yeah, but how could you be that bad with Alex? Though I mean, you know, it's you'd be a total. Well, never mind. I won't go there. Uh, so <laughs> I have heard you talk about uh, you have your you've developed your own moral philosophy right yep yeah um i haven't followed it real well so just i mean you don't have to go all through but just in a nutshell on the surface for an idiot how would you state it uh sure so right now all of the evidence is that uh, morality is subjective, produced by evolution. There's no evidence beyond that right now. But I think that there are indications that it could be more than that, that there is a fundamental nature to morality beyond just evolutionary psychology. Damn it. Um, so, for example, if we discovered other species of aliens on other planets, other forms of life that didn't evolve, uh, I think that it's highly likely that they would also have a framework of, of morality. And I think that... Uh, everywhere in the universe that each different type of conscious being that evolved would all kind of develop a model of morality that would converge on a single kind of morality. So the facts about morality that they would all discover would be the same as the facts about science. So they, they would converge on a single truth kind of a thing. Right. And so if that's the case, if that the, all the different species of conscious agents all the way in the universe all develop morality independently and it all converges on a single kind of moral model that's good evidence that that 
morality is something that exists independently of our subjective uh, inclinations. And so I think that's those two things are highly likely. And so I think that it's highly probable that objective morality is the case. Yeah. There, you know, there's actually a lot of theists that disagree with me on a regular basis, but I don't find the moral argument on theism very convincing um, because I think, I mean, something, well, I'm not a fan of like Harris's moral landscape. I mean, we can kind of, when we get to like normative ethics or something like that, it just seems like it's, it may not be a good explanation for those who want, you know, universal, abstract, objective, grounded in God thing. But I think it does a pretty good job of explaining, you know, morality. So does yours, so does yours have an ontology or what, what would be the ontology? Uh, would it be like a platonic thing, kind of, or? Well, I, the ontology is usually the last thing you try to discover in any model of anything. So for if you have a, any scientific discovery starts with there's some phenomenon we observe, we have no idea what is causing it. So we come up with some kind of principles to describe whatever is going on. And then after we have the principles that seem pretty accurate, only then do we try to discover what is the ontological grounds of the thing. Okay. So with morality, what we do is we start with uh, our feelings. What morality ultimately is, is that we get these a certain kind of feeling when we see someone punch a baby uh, or someone steal something from someone or uh, any kind of injustice or whatever, we get a feeling inside of us and that's feeling is ultimately what morality is. And so we're trying to describe when we try to discover what morality is, we're trying to say, well, what is the cause of that feeling? And is, is the, are the feelings just a result of our minds evolution and nothing more, or is it, more like our eyes. So is are there are moral feelings more like our eyes in that they perceive something that's really there independent of our imagination and it's just being interpreted through our evolutionary processes. And so if you believe in objective morality, then you believe that morality is really there in some sense. You don't need to know what it is. You don't need to answer right. the ontology question at all. You can just leave it up in the air of what the possibilities are. But you could say you believe it is an objective thing that exists and then try to describe principles. And then once you have the principles, try to infer more about its ontology. But so mine starts with the same method of science. You start with the, the phenomenon, describe principles, and then try to infer an ontology. So my, what I'd say it is, is probably just an undiscovered law of nature of some kind. It's just an extension yeah. of physics, more or less. Yeah. I'd say that we don't need any additional things. I don't think platonic objects exist or anything like that. So I just say it's probably an undiscovered law of nature. Yeah, that's well. And I also know, like, you know, sometimes when I, you know, talk about platonic things, you know, it'd be like a realist versus an anti-realist, you know, that there really is a platonic form or it's just this objective fact about the world and there's not really a platonic form. But you, you still consider it a more realist, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you moral realism is the position that moral statements are true. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the position that, yes, there is an objective morality out there. So it's a, it's a true or false statement. It's. Yeah. So it, uh, it is wrong to murder babies is a true statement. Yeah. yeah so like a non cognitive says it's not even true. You can't say it's true or false. You know, we have a couple of subjectivists in the chat. So that's why I was or kind pretty, of pressing on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
on the uh, talking about the ontology of it. Okay, so this is the way that I explain. Now I'm totally one hundred percent self. Oh, I don't like to say self learn because I've learned from so many great minds. No, I'm definitely not. <laughs> it's that I'm the opposite of that. So it's <laughs> it took me a long time to really understand ontology. So correct me if I'm wrong, but with ontology, it's more just like a an explanatory scope at a different level of you know the things that we have in our physical reality. I mean, would that be what? a so, so ontology is what exists. Right, right. Well, I mean, but we're investigating, like, uh, for example, just from a theocide, let's say all these universal abstracts exist, right? I mean, you know, you don't have to agree with universal abstracts, but just say all these things, logic, uh, math, all these different things are universal abstracts. So the ontology of it would be more of just explaining uh, the source of those, how we could have universal abstracts given the physical world uh well uh, my interpretation of the theistic argument is that abstract objects exist within the mind of a god so they exist somewhere um mm. and depending on the theist they interpret that in different ways like some think that abstract objects exist independently of a god in a different realm of some kind like platonic objects uh, and some think it's only it only exists in the mind of God, and the mind of God encompasses everything that exists. So there's different interpretations of how abstract objects relate to reality. I love how all the definitions in the chat is uh, it's a study of the nature of being, and it's like, man, if it was just that simple. And <laughs> metaphysics itself is it's something else, but. So from there, I've also heard you use like you like novel. So what do you mean by novel testable predictions? Because I usually hear people talk about predictions, testable, things like that. I did read a paper um, from a guy. I can't remember from a, uh, one of the philosophers um, coming out of the uh, logical positivism. He wasn't a logical positive, but it was another one on down the line from it who used the phrase novel testable so i was what does the novel part of it mean when you use that uh, novel just means new it's the latin for new um, okay. so if you predict something which we don't know yet that's a novel prediction uh, as opposed to if you are taking data we already know and trying to make a theory based off of that that's an accommodation or a post diction something like that so uh post talk eh. so it's you have the facts and then you construct a theory to fit the facts, it's post hoc or a yeah. accommodation. Whereas a novel prediction means you start with your theory, and then if my theory is true, here's something we can predict we will see but haven't seen yet. That's a novel prediction. Okay. So I'm probably going to get you in trouble here. Um, how does that work with the soft sciences? How do you feel about the things that we really can't make predictions from, or, you know, a lot of because of ethical concerns. They're garbage. Soft sciences are garbage. <laughs> Especially philosophy. I was... Uh, <laughs> so I forget, forget who it was who posted a, a Facebook article. I think it was Oz who said, uh, I found this article 
asking, does philosophy solve any problems? And I posted, no, the answer, the answer is no, it doesn't solve any problems. Philosophy is thinking about thinking. So it tells you how to categorize ideas in people's heads. And that's about it. Yeah. Soft sciences as a whole, don't really do much other than just analyze human nature. It's not really that important. I mean, maybe history, I guess you could say is yeah. some basis in reality, but yeah, mostly soft sciences are garbage. I'd say that they're kind of a waste of time. As as a science, they're garbage, but not like as a whole. Right. No, as as a whole, they're all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to help you, Tom. I was trying to help you out, man. We got we got a lot of psychologists and stuff in here. So. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all garbage. Pseudoscience, psychology is garbage. Like even the the most rigorous psychology, there's that form of things to categorize diseases. I figure what it's called, like some kind of list of diseases. It's all bull crap. Most of them are wrong. They need to reevaluate them the entire time. It's not a good field. And what? And before anybody, you know, tries to jump down my throat or Tom's throat or anything else, if you actually go back and look at some of these uh, meta analysis of things that happen in psychology, there's one um, that was done by a psychologist. Uh, I mean, he didn't do the study, but there was a study that was done, an independent study, and it found that upwards of 55 percent of peer reviewed papers in psychology were literally just false, you know, not that they included false information from or, you know, extracting certain things from different studies without telling the rest of it. They were literally just false. And he had written an article uh, because of the way that psychology is used in law, you know, to analyze, man, Oz's flies back again. Dang, Oz. Uh <laughs> I got this fly that only comes up when Oz is around. I don't I don't know where he's hiding out in my studio. I have no idea. But <laughs> uh anyway, so he was railing against how they use psychology and law, you know, uh, which is a little different than how you and I talk about it, but still, you know, people are going to prison and jail over this respected field that is like plagued you know, with so many issues and the peer review process. Not I don't think, so to clarify, it wasn't that they were false, it's that they weren't reproducible. Like of the 55% of studies, I think it was 67 total was not reproducible. Ones he could reproduce were false and the rest of them he couldn't reproduce. So he wasn't specifically saying the conclusions were false, just that the papers weren't actually testable to show that they were correct. Yeah. Well, it may just have been my choice of the article, but this guy actually said they were false. But the, and it, he was just someone who was doing a, you know, like a editorial on issues within uh, psychology. But yeah, I, I would actually agree with you. That sounds actually more accurate. It's just not testable. Uh, a lot of ethical problems there. Um, so now, now that we know how you feel about that. <laughs> if you had a favorite science what would it be um the one that gives me money i don't know probably computer science artificial intelligence is probably my favorite oh that's cool that's cool i was hoping you'd say like physics because i love physics but i guess that's a big part of it physics uh, is boring you can't do anything with physics artificial oh, come intelligence on. come on tom tom nope. get on physics train Nope. So biology is better. Neurology is better. Um, chemistry is better. Physics is like the most boring of all the sciences. Artificial intelligence is the most interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple of physicist friends and um, forgive Tom, um, but <laughs> it's, but that's a good topic though. I love artificial intelligence. I am intrigued by the possibilities there. I mean, given artificial intelligence, are you convinced that one day we'll have like real conscious self-learning, yep. like, like a human conscious kind better of than, better than humans. Yep. Wow. That's great. I think. So what if they try to take over the world? Good. I will be, <laughs> I will gladly adopt my panda cage with my bamboo and my porn. Panda porn. <laughs> so this is one I don't think I've heard you talk about. It kind of ties into it. Do you have a specific philosophy of mind that, uh, you think's more accurate or true or physicalism, materialism, your brain is your mind and it's all physical. Okay. Um, but you're, are you like a strict materialist or just physical? Uh, same thing. Materialism, physicalism, the same thing. Well, well, I, I, is there an echo? I hear an echo. Oh, I don't hear an echo. Testing. I definitely hear an echo. Do you? Does yep. anybody in the chat hear an echo? Let me just recently, though, like in the oh. past 30 seconds. Oh, I think it's gone. Nope, it's still there. <laughs> let me check. Uh, let me check one of my settings here. Make sure it's not. I don't think I've ever had an issue with Echo. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, everything should be right. Uh, they don't Testing. hear you. Hmm, that's weird. You're, you're the only one. Does somebody have YouTube going in your house? <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't hear it. They don't hear it. If it gets too bad, let me know. I'll put headphones on. Maybe. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, mine are bulky and ugly, so I don't like to use them. Um, so, well, the only reason I, I made the distinction was because I've said the same thing before. And they're like, no, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. So I've had others push back against it. But um, so if I was going to take Tom's consciousness out of his brain and upload it to a computer then that's now Tom. Uh, well, it would be more complicated than that. So you can't okay. like take a consciousness and then copy it. You'd have to take the consciousness and Theseus ship it. So you'd have to take uh, computer parts and replace them with my brain a piece at a time while maintaining the conscious electrical signals that are going on in my brain in order for it to continue to be me. Yeah, so you're like way too analytical. I was talking about just a thought experiment. If I could take your conscious out, and put it in a robot or a computer or something like that, then that would now be Tom. Is that uh, sort of, yeah. You just have to okay. take my brain apart piece. Or by brain, piece. Yeah. Take your brain consciousness and all place it with okay. pieces. I'm just trying to get a, pieces. a better understanding of it. Yeah. I was a substance dualist for a while and I just, I couldn't, you know, the uh, mind body problem. I just, I couldn't make it work for me, but I kind of, lean towards hylomorphism and actually more physicalist now. Um, there's a, yeah, I know we can talk about that one night. Oh. <laughs> yes. Souls I, are souls a thing. Yes. Um, Doesn't like, that refute physicalism? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I think it would. Are souls physical? Well, that's just it. Um, they very, very well may be. 
which is kind of where, well, there's, there's some older, and I can't remember who it was. There's some older thoughts, uh, in the Orthodox views where on, um, soul implant implantation. And some of them are that the soul is created along with the body from the mother and the father. So the soul is something that comes with the mother and father as creation. So they, some would consider it part of the physical. Others would say, no, it can't be part of the physical. I haven't worked it all out, Tom. Stop pressing can, me. Can it, it be measured by science? Do we have a tool that can measure it? Uh, well, I mean, we can't really measure consciousness either. Oh, yeah, we can. Like, that's kind of solved in neurology. We can definitely measure the weight of thoughts. Like, There's actually a PBS video on the weight of thoughts, and you can calculate the amount of energy in a thought and translate that into what it would be in mass e equals mc squared and come out to the weight of a thought you're going to have to send that to me because i gotta see that so uh, some harvard professor guy okay yeah uh so no i was i haven't been aware of any you know any of those where we can actually measure consciousness matter of fact I, that's most of the time everybody keeps talking about the hard problem of consciousness so um but I'm sure, as you know, you spend 24, 25, 26 hours a day, you know, doing this stuff. So I don't doubt you. 26 hours a day. Yep. <laughs> 26 hours a day. That's right. Well, you time travel. So you get yep. two more hours yep. in there. <laughs> 40 hours a day of practice, like a uh, two set violin. You should check out their channel. They're pretty funny. <laughs> so who do you have a favorite philosopher? Nope. Wow. Uh, I have no heroes. I don't admire people, but I do admire ideas. So I, I like certain ideas that philosophers have had, but I don't really care about the individual people at all. That's pretty straightforward. <laughs> Me, I am my own favorite philosopher. There you go. Hey, if you don't believe in you, who else is going to? So do you have any that are like your, is there anyone that was the most influence on you? Uh, there would be a collection of those. So I think that the distinctions made by Kant, the noumena phenomena, um, the analytic synthetic, the a priori, posteriori, and those distinctions are important. Uh, the distinctions from uh, Quine, the two dogmas of empiricism, the webs of belief, uh, theory ladenness from the guy's name starts with a K, I think. Forget his name. Um Kripke or Kripke or something. Yeah, I think that's it. Kripke, Kripke, yeah. Saul Kripke is good. Yeah. Um, manifest versus scientific image. Um, so just really a conglomerate of the ancients. <laughs> Not so yeah. ancient. I mean, but... Kripke's died like twenty years ago or something. Yeah, but, I was going to say they're not all ancient. So, well, to me, I mean, they're ancient because they're not here now. So, um... <laughs> oh man! So now it's time for the hard questions. Really hard questions. Um, what kind of music do you like? Uh, no words. Instrumental. So I listen to things that electric guitar mostly. So Steve Vai. Technically, I hate most guitarists, but there's one or two songs from everyone who's like really good. Like Steve Vai has one or two really good songs. Eric Johnson has a really good intro to a song, and then I hate everything else he made. Um <laughs> I like soundtracks, anime soundtracks, movie soundtracks, uh, movie trailer sounds. Those are really good. Um, those kinds of things. So like instrumental, orchestral, plus electric guitar, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anime what do you soundtracks. Think of, 
What about Stevie Ray Bowen? Uh, I like some of his stuff. Not great. I like his redoing of uh, Jimi Hendrix's something, something bird, two bird, little bird, little bird, I think. Little bird, yeah. But yeah, I hate all of his songs with words. I, I don't like the words, but his guitar is good. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I, like his, I don't like his effects. His effects pedal is like 80 years old. He needs a new effects pedal. Oh, so then you're definitely, you're definitely not a, um, oh, what's his name? The one that talked with his guitar. Uh, I, I think that's all guitarists. I don't. Yeah, no, he like had a voice box and stuff. Anyway, uh, I'll think about it later when I'm laying down. Uh, what about Ted Nugent? Uh, nope. It's because he's a hunter and right wing and. Well, no, I mean, there's lots of hunters and right wings who play good yeah. guitar. Like, there's some more recent rock bands that are like Western death metal kind of thing, which are pretty cool. So, I mean, don't so really care wife, about the politics. So, my wife is the star of the night, Peter Frampton. That's exactly who I was thinking of. So, good job. Anyway, uh, she usually gives all the right answers, and I give the wrong ones, even if I'm right. So, um, are you married? Nope. Do you have any kids? Nope. Such a lucky man. Um, oh, say, that, say that with your wife in the chat. <laughs> like she just walks in from the other room, and just smacks it. <laughs> it's a you know, it's it's kind of like a it's a double edged sword. So, uh, uh, Minnesota man, you're I, I should have known. You know, as pale as you are, you'd be somewhere where it's real cold. <laughs> Is that where you're born and raised? Nope, I was born in Texas. Oh, look at you. Transplant. So you like the cold better than the heat? Mm, nope. Uh-huh. Oh, favorite movie? Uh, Kung Fu Panda. Wow. I would have never guessed that. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> you are a, you, you like this enigma. It's uh you're full of surprises. Um, so Oz and pasta and them told me that, uh, when you guys had all met up at the debate you had and all that, they was like, you know what? Tom is this really, really nice guy. And I'm like, come on now. So next time, are you going to the one in Dallas? Austin, uh, or Austin? forum. It's which was supposed to be June 18th, but got is. I talked to the Shannon Q like today. She said they're postponing it again, so it's not going to happen for a while. So, but yes, I plan to go to that one and uh, the one in Phoenix, the Amazing Atheist one. No, Amazing Atheist, American Atheist. I was so disappointed when I first time I went to Phoenix. I thought Phoenix was like this massive, huge city, and and it was like, what? This is it? I mean, nothing else, but. But you're in Texas, right? Texas has like some of the biggest cities in the country. Texas is insane. Everything's big. Literally everything is big in Texas. I go, I live in Arkansas, but I'm about six hours from Dallas and I have to help help out in their district. Sometimes we have a data center that we work in inside of a high school football stadium. And it looks like a college stadium, Carroll County. That's who it was. Carroll County. And, you know, so I walk up and I'm like, when they told me it was a high school thing, I was like, are you kidding me? It seats like almost 20,000 people, you know, and it was just, and they're like, oh, this one's not even near like some of these other ones they started naming off. And I was just, okay, whatever. Too many people there for sure. Um, 
You know, football is big in Texas. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Football is big and hunting there. I'm not a hunter, but I know a lot of hunters because I'm in Arkansas and from Tennessee. But apparently it's like big, big money there. You got to pay outrageous amount of money to catch, to catch, kill these little old deer and stuff. So good for Texas. <laughs> yeah, another funny fact about Texas, Texas has the second most captive tigers in the world, which is more than the amount of wild tigers in the world. Really? Are they sanctuaries, exotic market? or Nope. Rich people with big backyards. No. That is, are they like good habitats and stuff? Or? Nope terrible mm. they feed them whatever not healthy take care of them number one is saudi arabia surprise wow that is insane that's actually one of the areas i struggle with is tigers you know, keep keeping tigers yeah that's exactly right it's so hard to keep tigers i mean they keep wanting to eat my kids but uh it's <laughs> no i'm too busy well i can't say it i'm sorry we're taking care of you know we we, we have family that hangs out with us a lot so um and they're like tigers yeah they're i I had a different word but uh now they're cool i like them the whole you know um veganism eating meat you know the way we i mean i love meat but i hate the industrial part of um farming it's i kind of struggle with that part so yeah, you I struggle meat. when they get, get like a spare bone in my boneless chicken. It's like, they're supposed to be boneless. What is this? <laughs> but hey, it's nothing like finding a beak in your chicken nuggets. So that's, uh, there was a local story. I'm originally from Memphis and there was a local story there. They like blew up big time because somebody found deep a deep fried beak <laughs> in their chicken nuggets. And I was like, I think that's about time I quit eating chicken nuggets. Yeah, that's how they make uh, any kind of boneless chicken is what they do is they just put the whole chicken in, grind it up into little squishy bits. and just ah, spread it out. Have, you, have you seen the videos supposedly from the chicken places where it's like this big extruding tube of pink meat that's coming out? It's supposed to be the chicken. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, that's 100% true. I've seen all the documentaries ah. of the how they treat the animals is pretty bad. Especially oh, what yeah. they do with the chicks. Like the male chicks are just instantly garbaged, uh, smashed. Well, you know, I, where I live is huge chicken country. We have chicken houses all over with Tyson chickens here. So there's chicken houses all around. And what I, I learned, barbecued the, the, what's it? Buffalo chicken, uh, tenders. Those are really good. They make some good, put those in like, a. uh, <laughs> burrito with some lettuce and some fried onions it's amazing they're good in street tacos too so uh no I what i learned dog. do i those are made of dog well some might depends on where you get it from uh but what i learned about them you know was you know when they talk about free range chickens uh they're all in the same chicken house they're just not in cages and the when you if you go inside and look at one um it's like all, none of them have any feathers they're just like these the, i don't know man they're, they're chickens but i wouldn't want to live in that kind of condition that they have uh so yeah it's the industrial stuff sucks man we my neighbor's actually a uh angus farmer and they take really good care of their cattle once you go down the road 
get into the industrial stuff and piss Wait, you so off. can you send me some steaks? You know what? I actually talked to him uh, about at least getting half of a bull or cow. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, man. Uh, depends on what the market price is. I'll give you a little discount on it. I said, so how much would like half of one cost? Two to 4000 yeah, it well it depends on the market. Yeah, but here it's it's actually a lot cheaper here. So it was it was like two grand. But he said, I'll take it, have it butchered, packaged, and everything for you. And I was like, sweet. I just don't have two thousand dollars for steak. Well, a half <laughs> a half a cow is almost a thousand pounds of meat. So yeah, it's gonna be mm. like, that's not that's not that bad. Like if you ask for no, a half no, it's a, a hell of a deal for sure, but so so just, normally you'd be like, I, I want a set number of pounds and then that'd be good. You don't eat half a cow is a lot. <laughs> well, there's a lot of the half of the cow. I don't want, it's only certain parts of it. So yeah, I'm not a big deer eating person. Either. I love backstrap, but that's about the only thing. So when they, I let my brother and friends hunt around here. Uh, I usually take most of it and just have it made into sausage. It just, I just want the backstrap. That's, that's- terrible like so cooking uh what, what you should do with cooking is you have kosher sea salt the big chunks cover it like raw leave it in the fridge for 24 hours add some garlic uh onion um and a few other things my secret ingredients leave it in the fridge for 24 hours and then cook it however you want add a stick of butter on top and that's that is the correct way to cook meat of any kind Really? That's pretty cool. It's called a dry brine. Dry brine, it's the salt sucks out all the juices from the meat, and this the juices absorb all of whatever sauces you put on the surface and then get reabsorbed into the meat to spread out all the flavor. Nice. Let's see, I'm a being from Memphis, I, I do a lot of smoked uh ribs and uh shoulder and stuff like that. So I do put, you know, a lot of those through brine because there's not the ribs, obviously, but like shoulders and stuff. It doesn't have a lot of fat on it. You want to get the juice in there. But uh, I don't do a whole lot of the, a lot of prepping kind of cooking. I'll go buy a good quality steak. I'll put it out at room, te- let it get room temperature. I'll put it on, cook it to medium well, salt the mess out of it, cracked pepper, butter, five minutes, let it reabsorb the juices that are in it. And it is oh, fantastic. Try it the other way around. Put the sauces on first, leave it in the fridge, and then try it, and it'll be ten times better. Okay. Add butter. Add add butter. Nice. You're making me hungry, Tom. I love steak. Steak is like my dessert, you know. But just in case you were wondering, you can actually get burnt out on steak. So what? it's possible. What? Like <laughs> Because that's my diet is I buy, go to Target. I get cheap steaks because I'm just, I'm lazy. I can make them taste good anyway, so I don't really care. And I get like four New York strips, uh, four thick cut pork chops, and a thing of ribs. And that's that's my mm. so food. Have you have you heard about Jordan Peterson's diet? Uh, the keto diet, all meat. Yeah, well, it's not even just ketone. It's a carnivore diet. He, no greens, not literally meat. Nothing but meat. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's called the keto diet. Is it, well, I mean, I did. Uh, I did keto diet for many for years. I used to uh, uh, lift a lot of weights and stuff. And I did a, when you do cutting 
if you bulk up, you go through a bulking phase. And when you get ready to cut, you go keto because you just all the moisture, you, you, all the water's gone, everything else. But you can have green vegetables, anything that's low carb and a lot of meat. But you got to have a lot of fat so that you get the ketones built up in the body because your body actually uses ketones for fuel. But he's like cut out everything but meat. And supposedly, now I don't know, but supposedly all of his numbers are like, great, 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 great. And I just don't know, man. It was such a boring diet doing a ketogenic diet before. I just, I like my carbs. So Yeah, I, I understand. I like cheesecake and bread uh, and burgers and pizza. No, you didn't. Cheesecake is like my favorite. It's got to be New York style, though. But cheesecake is my favorite why new york style it has to be thick like thick thick because some of them that i have uh, they're kind of runny in the middle or real mushy in the middle i just don't do all that yeah i like the consistency oh lamb ribs oh look at this cooking with t-jump sunday mornings on twitch that's what i'm talking about hook him up nate uh for the right dollar he'll do anything with you that is that is true. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Kind of so, my fans. <laughs> so what game do you play online all the time when you're debating? Um, I signed up for Gamefly. Gamefly sends me a new game every time I beat one. I, I send it back and they send me a new one. So whatever one is on the list is whatever I'm playing. Nate said, don't tempt me. I'm glad you have all that money, Nate. I think we're all going to go hang out with Nate if Nate's got all that money. Uh, I'm come, gonna, come down to your place. You can buy half a cow. We can cook it. That, that's what I'm talking about. Man. I got five acres, man. I got a big smoker out there. Oh is, yeah. We need, we need to do ribs because uh, my ribs, I don't have a smoker. So what I have to do is I have to get uh smoked hickory salt and shake that on to add the rib yeah. to the smoky flavor and then put the rib sauce on over it. The rib dry rub. Cause I always do dry rub. I don't like. That's all I do. Oh dry man. Rub, dry rub is better. Cheesecake, yeah. dry rub, and money. You are like my yep. man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you need to set up some live debates so we can send, so we can go to the, go to Arkansas, hang out, Heck do some yeah. live debates, bring down the tart guys. Yeah, well, that'd be cool. We'll have one of them there shindigs. So put a whole pig in the ground. Yep. Like, yes. <laughs> uh, I learned early on that, like the liquid smoke stuff, you can overdo it. <laughs> oh god the liquid smoke stuff is terrible too like, oh it is i it, oh, it was smoked sea salt hickory hickory smoked sea salt works great it's good wow well my wife and i we try to follow a mediterranean diet as much as possible they you know with her having uh autoimmune uh disease and my 17 year old daughter recently diagnosed with it we try you know the science is in the, up in the air about inflammation as far as diets go a lot of people think it's solid science but if you really look into the studies and stuff there are promising aspects of it but it's not a like set in stone kind of thing right now it just hasn't been enough quality studies to say yes this diet absolutely so it's mostly correlation right now oh well yeah there's that's one of the things i mentioned earlier is that biology is one of the more interesting yeah. fields than physics the biome of the human body uh, and biology in general is far more complicated than anything in physics. Like just analyzing any part of the human body is more complicated than pretty much the entire galaxy. Uh, yeah. The physics is pretty simple. So yeah, the understanding the bacteria in your stomach is essentially what you 
can use to gauge your inflammation, what diet's going to cause more or less inflammation. So you have to understand the bacteria combination you have to understand how a certain diet is going to affect you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've, I am seeing a lot more because I've been into fitness and diet for many years, long before I got into philosophy and all of that. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not an expert, but I've done lots of reading on it. And I, yeah, look at that grin. He's like, you know, well, no shit, idiot. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I did learn through philosophy how to properly analyze studies by who funded it, whether it was a scientific study or not, and, you know, all these different things. So uh looking at all of those and kind of there was uh the website's not around anymore and i hate that it's not it was um it's a part of healthline now but they had their own thing a guy's name is chris gunner i think it is and he was a med student and he got he couldn't see uh he couldn't stand every time he went to a different medical website or diet website or whatever you'd find out that, you know, they were kind of cherry picking studies and some of them were, they were getting paid by somebody. So he'd start doing these articles and like cited every single study. You know, this is why they think this, this is, and he was real modest with it. He didn't say it doesn't do this or it will do this. He was like, according to these studies, it may do this out of that. So <clears throat> after, you know, reading a lot of his stuff for a long time, and then he moved over to Healthline, uh, they bought, they bought him cause he got so big. His stuff, every once in a while, he'll do articles and stuff. But there's a lot of people on there that eh, they kind of pseudoscience, you know, there may be promising things to not really, but like healing crystals and crazy stuff like that. But uh, so, yeah, it's hard to find. We we just, you know, we if it seems promising at this point, it can hurt to try, you know, so. Yeah, I think I think the thing that has actually been proven to be the most effective uh, and the most disgusting is fecal transplant. Like that actually works to to change your bacterial biome and to cause changes in how your diet affects you. I've I've heard about that. I haven't done a lot of. Have you done a lot of reading into that area? Is it like as much as I do on most things? I guess <laughs> read it once and absorb the hell out of it, and that's just <laughs> something like that. So, but yeah, it's. Uh, this is definitely interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. That's uh, yeah, that's definitely something. I'd actually heard somebody talking about that before because well, before I went off on this ADD tangent, uh, yeah, I'm reading so much more about gut bacteria and all these different things. You know, like different medicines according to people's body chemistry and all these things. A lot of times, it just comes down to gut bacteria, what the makeup of the gut bacteria is. So, yep, it's, there's a lot of uh, crazy stuff there, but. I like biology like you. Uh, well, I don't know if you like it, but I think it's interesting like you're talking about. And I just had an appointment earlier or actually two appointments today for my carpal tunnel and then one for the rheumatologist. And they, the guy was kind of like, well, I'm sorry, we just uh, and I was like, hey, bro, I work on equipment for a living. I know what troubleshooting is. I could not imagine having to troubleshoot the human body. That's just you know, that's insane. It's yeah. What is cannabis wood, Nate? What the, you just making stuff up now? Can cannabis wood as in weed wood. I think you're going to smoke it with cannabis wood. <laughs> oh gosh. So well, we now know that Nate is a pothead, which I don't have. Wait, any how, who, how, who did, how did you not know that before? 
you know, I should have picked up on that with that slow, dry kind of humor thing. But I thought it was part of his like shtick. He grows mushrooms in his hair. He's picked through them as free mushrooms. <laughs> hey, I can't wait to go. He the way he's inviting people. He just launched his new show. He's inviting people to roast him. Oh, I can't wait to get on there and talk about the you know the reformed pastor look that he has. You know, youth pastor. Yeah, and uh, there's a guy in my Discord server named Mark, and he's like, oh, wow, you're telling oh, – he's Canadian. Oh, wow, you're telling me Jamie Neutron's on? And I'm like, wow, no, you yep. didn't. Yep. So it's great. Oh, man. Okay, I think I've tortured you long enough, Tom. I know you have, uh, you know, about – well, let's see. It's eight, four. You probably got about six hours left in your day. Since you're going <laughs> to time travel and come back. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on, man. Definitely. Yep. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it as always. Yeah, no problem, man. I definitely. I'm, like, I'm to totally serious about like set up some live debates in Arkansas. We, we can fly oh, guys down there, get some murder shed down there. Yeah. Take some bodies. So. Okay. I'm not, don't, don't worry about doxing him. Nothing like that, but he does live close to you, right? Yeah, like 20 minutes away. Okay, that's what I thought. All right. I, I knew there was, so, there was something odd about him. Not that he's from Minnesota, but, you know, <laughs> that didn't come out right. He's extremely pale, <laughs> and I think he needs some sun. <laughs> According to him, you have a fantastic tan. So <laughs> Maybe not yet because I'm, I'm, it's starting to warm up. We snowed yesterday. What? Yeah, April snow. Wow. Uh, but now that it's starting to warm up, I should be able to go biking and rollerblading 20 miles a day and I'll start getting my tan. So you're going to be debating and rollerblading. <laughs> yep. Cause I need to, I gained like 20 pounds from COVID. I need to burn it off. Wow. You know, just real quick before I let you go. Um, I gained more weight with each of my children than my wife did. It was the craziest thing in the world. It's like, she wasn't the one who couldn't stop eating. It was me. It's like, hey, I'll get donuts for you. And she's like, oh, bleh. I was like, okay, they're mine. So I'm eating donuts. <laughs> nice mental picture there, huh? Yeah. So, and one more. I know I said that was it. What is it like there with the vitamin D deficiency thing? Is it is that a thing there? or No. People, okay. Well, what? you know, they say Wait that. Minute. This is not England. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, well, but still, you have, sometimes y'all have long winters, you know. You you can't, like, well, I guess you probably go out whether it's snowing or not. You're so used to it. You just go out anyway. But Yeah, no, it's not usually a big deal. Like, if it snows, like, in Texas, it snowed two inches and the entire state shut down and many people died. In here, it oh, snows yeah, six was... inches and you have to go to work at 7 a.m. That is one thing I love about being in the South. If there's going to be snow, they close everything nothing so but i'm in the mountains so we're not going anywhere anyway it just we have two you have two ways out and both of them go straight up like that so i'm not going anywhere four-wheel drive helps you go up hills but it doesn't do much to going down hills when it's like a sheet of ice it just you just spin all four tires while you're sliding down so <laughs> thanks tom i'd definitely like to have you back man i appreciate it i had fun yeah, for sure. Definitely anytime. Absolutely, man. I'm going to see all these people out. See you. Talk to you later, bud. So, 
Tom Jump's chair, and he brought Tom with him. That was very interesting and fun. I had fun with that. So like I promised, uh, there's a big announcement. At least it, this is for my show. And being so new and getting started, this is fantastic. Um, first, the bad news. I stream simultaneously on Facebook and YouTube because I want to try to reach as much people as possible. But face, uh, Facebook doesn't monetize. And most of my views are coming from Facebook and YouTube does. Now, I don't care about making money off this show. That's not why I got into this. But it costs quite a bit of money to keep all this running. And if I can get monetized enough to at least just cover the costs of it, um, because this is a hobby of mine and I, I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I plan on continuing to go, you know, a long time. And on that note, um, Pasta Mike uh Oz Jim Benson uh Nate Nate Dog um and now um uh, I can't believe Sam Sam Doolittle how do I forget that we all are are, are kind of have this support group and they have been absolutely fantastic for me because I'm the kind of person, you know, I spent so long hiding from my emotions. And I found out that's kind of one of the things that led me to depression, anxiety and all that. And was really slowly destroying me from inside. So I learned that I have to talk about them. And these guys, uh, we have created this group for content creators, um, have been phenomenal when... There's moments that I think things are terrible. They put me back on a level playing field. Um, there's moments that we share awesome news and good times together. And there's moments we just talk about, you know, everyday life and how hard it can be and how it gets us all down. And um, a lot of people don't. I'm really public about a lot of the things we deal with. A lot of people aren't. They deal with a lot of things behind scenes. Uh, and they're real quiet about it. And I don't think there's a right way or wrong way. I think it's just whoever it's up to. So with that said, uh, they are part of the Atheist Roundtable, Tart, on YouTube. So please check them out and give them support. Pasta Mike has recently started his own thing at Normalizing Atheism. He is top-notch in editing. Um, he is extremely talented. He does fantastic interviews, things of that nature. And having their support is phenomenal. But having to financially support all of this myself here is, it's not a, like a major financial burden, but it does cost quite a bit because you have to pay a lot of these different sites to host your stuff. So if I can get monetized and at least have the show pay for itself, uh, I can continue this for a long time and get bigger and better guests. Um, and so I'm going to have to stop streaming on Facebook. I, I can only do on YouTube, uh, at least until Facebook monetizes or something of that nature. Um, 
to at least pay for the show. And the big announcement is the first biggest guest I ever have. Well, actually was T-Jump probably <laughs> as far as name and notoriety. But June 3rd, I am going to have uh, Dr. Richard Carrier. And while I don't agree with a lot of his stuff, um, I admire his tenacity, his willingness to take all of the flack that he gets for holding his position. And there may be a lot of people that disagree with me, but I think we need to have uh, people pushing back on things that we take for granted. You know, even if it's considered a fringe position, I think we still need to be challenged. I think we still need to be able to answer these questions ourselves. Um, so, Dr. Richard Carrier, June 3rd, 7 p.m. Central. I'll have a promo out here in the next day or so. And anybody who wants their question asked to Dr. Carrier, send me an email to eddie, E-D-D-I-E, dot croom, C-R-U-M-E, at gmail.com. That's the brute facts email, at least until I can get a brute facts site set up. So, again, if you have a question you want me to ask Dr. Carrier, I'm taking a list of questions. The questions I think are the top ones are the ones that's going to be answered, and I will absolutely attribute, attribute it to you. So that is, again, eddie, E-D-D-I-E, dot croom, C-R-U-M-E, at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for showing up, showing out, being funny in the chat keeping it light. I love all you guys, man. I, I, it is so humbling to have people watching me. I've always wanted to have some kind of platform where I could just ramble and people actually listen to me. So I do have a few. Thanks for coming. Um, next show will be Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, I believe I have the guests lined up. I'm not going to now, you know what? No, he agreed to it. So he's coming, whether he likes it or not. Jim Benton from Meaning Forge. Uh, he just launched his own, his own, his own uh, YouTube show. And he's a friend of mine. And uh, I love Jim's uh, mind and where he comes from and how much different it works in mine. So I think you'll appreciate it. And uh, so make sure you check it out Tuesday and Thursday. I think I have a pretty big guest lined up. We're going to see. Um, and it will be my biggest guest until Richard Carrier, June 3rd, 730 Central. Thanks, everybody. Have a good evening. And don't let Nate trip you out on the way out. He He's good at that stuff. He like, you know, sticks his foot out of the aisle and stuff like that. So watch out for Nate. He's a, a, a little scandalous. <laughs>